Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach. Give me great food. Tacos. Give me adventure. Hiking. Give me a date night. Sunset cruise. Give me some smiles. Cheese. Give me more beaches. Beaches. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Mm-hmm. Y'all had all the boobage. Everybody Look, got I ain't got, I don't have boobs, so <laughs> I got them. I had them for like three seconds when I had a baby. I borrowed mine. <laughs> <laughs> they alone. They going back. Welcome to another episode of Eating While Broke. I'm your host, Colleen Witt, and today we have Emmy-nominated Flay Monroe in the building. Comedian, actress, writer, entertainer, co- po- podcaster. Also, what's your, what's the name of your podcast? Laugh, Laugh and, and Learn. Learn. You guys could check her out on, on The Black Effect. Um, so today, what do you have us eating? She forgot dad, mom, dad. brother, sister, uncle, you know what? auntie, should, all I that should, girl. You know what? It's, it's, sad. <laughs> it's sad because I did leave that out on purpose. But then, no, that is probably the hardest title, right? That is, the, that is the hardest, the most joyful, and the most painful. And, and how many kids do you have? Three. You have three. 
Yeah. Dang, you, you wasn't playing. Uh, my pullout game just went with it. I wasn't tight with it. I'm tight with it now. <laughs> now you're like, uh-uh, no mistakes? No, nope, not at all, Colleen. How are you? Thank you for having me. Hello, everyone. Eating eating while broke. Eating we while are broke. having, you know what we're going to have? This is what I ate when I was broke. Succotash. Succotash is a poor man's meal, but it will fill you up. How do you how do you spell that? Succotash? Now, you ask me some difficult questions. Oh, no, wait. How, how, how do I say it again? Succotash. Succotash. So I'm thinking it's S-U-C-C-A. T T A S H. Okay. I think. Did I, you I might, make it up? No, absolutely not. I, my grandmother made, used to make this all the time. It was okay. a bunch of us, so she had to to stretch it out. Okay. So what are the ingredients? So the ingredients actually is uh, are uh, whole kernel corn, uh, cut okra, tomato, onion, green pepper, celery, and whatever season you season to taste, however you want. And usually bacon. I don't see any bacon up here. And you put it over a bed of rice. We do have bacon. And you can imagine feeding about nine kids, screaming okay. and hollering, and it will fill them up. And it was healthy because it was veggies. Yeah, because I saw okra, and when I saw okra, I said, oh, heck no. Why do so many people? Okra uh, is the bad rap. Okra, Let me tell uh, you about okra. Y'all young kids say macaroni and cheese, but us old heads say okra. I'm going to let you sit on that and think about that for a minute. <laughs> uh -uh. Let me tell you something. You have to be very good at cooking. I'm going to tell you a little story, okay? My mom is Jamaican, and she would do the whole okra thing. It's, my mom was a great cook. But me and my siblings would band together that every time the okra rent like came to the front of the freezer, we it was like someone's job to go and hide it to the back of the freezer. And that was the job of us kids was just to hide the okra. And okra pray she would really, never find it. Okra is pretty tasteless though. It really is kind of slimy though. Well <laughs> And then okay, and then I was in North Carolina with Nick Cannon. And Speaking he of was slimy. Like, and <laughs> I was in North hey, Carolina. Nick. <laughs> I was I was out there and I had told him like I really hate okra. And he was like, You ain't never had fried okra. And I said, Okay, you know, I'll take one for the team. And I still hated it. So you okra, hated this, fried okra? I can't mess with okra. So I'm <sighs> going to gracefully take this one for the team for eating while broke. Um, but we do have uh, bacon. Do you want me to like oh, pause yeah, and bacon get it? Is, yes, please, because bacon is the starter. All right, so we're now back. So we have your applewood bacon. Yes. All right, so let's get the cooking. Let me give, drop a little <laughs> olive oil here. Can I stand? Oh, I brought you a gift before I get started. I brought you a fan. Okay. What is your fan? I want to see you pop it, too. I brought my Okay, antennas. here we go. Hey! What is that? What is that? It says, say? "Can't no bitch do what I do." I believe it. <laughs> this is this is the this is gonna be the model for the rest of my life, everybody. Mine says what? He, she, we. That is my own preferred pronoun. He, okay. she, we, because I pretty much feel like they kick me out the community, so I got my own pronoun. Oh. Mine stands for he cash the check, she make the money, we spend the same person said it, same person is it. You're right. You I, see like it? I like that. I like that. I cover all the bases. Yeah. You see all that inclusion? Mm -hmm. <laughs> is that you? That is me. Okay. In, one, in my sexier days. <laughs> I was young. So you started out. So let's kind of take it back to, you call it succotash? Succotash. Succotash. Yes. So what was going on in the era of succotash? We were living in the projects of Chicago on the west side. And Henry Horner Projects, my grandmother, Big Jib, that's what everybody called my grandmother, Big Jib. Uh, she was 
My grandmother ran guns, sold candy, uh, sold women, sold drugs. This was the gangster of the projects. And it was a bunch of grandkids. She had a bunch of grandkids. So she had to stretch food out in between when it was high and low. My grandma was a bootleg. My grandma was a pimp. I love my grandmother. May she rest in peace. And she raised you? She pretty much raised me. Because my mom was buck wild. My mom was out doing her thing. My mother was 17 when she had me. So she uh-huh. was a kid. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand that when I was a kid. But now that I have my own children, I I, I get, I couldn't imagine my daughter, who's 19, having a baby now. Because she's not responsible at all. So <laughs> I can only imagine what Valerie was like. That's my mother, Valerie. Mm-hmm. So my grandmother stepped up, you know. And the a lot of black grandmothers back then, not only just black, abuela, abuela. Is that how you say it in Spanish, abuela? I have no idea. Oh, well, girl, you look like Latina. I'm, I'm Jewish and Jamaican, so yeah. you don't know Latina. Well, anyway, a lot of grandmothers had to step up to help raise the grandkids because mm-hmm. the moms were young mm-hmm. or they were working or they were trying to better themselves to make a better life. So my grandmother stepped up, and it was, and, but I was the first grandbaby. I was the most spoiled and I was the most loved. Aww. I hope my other my other uh, siblings don't hear that. <laughs> oh, I guarantee you, you'll get that random phone call. So, they call and ask for money all the so time. So anyway. this was the the signature dish in this, Grandma's house. This was the poor man's meal when money was tight and mm-hmm. we knew money was this how we. But she would always like fry a big thing of chicken wings. Chicken wings was dirt cheap back then. Mm-hmm. Good guy, you could get a whole bag of chicken wings and feed a family of twelve for five dollars. Five dollars might buy you one chicken wing. This to go around. Good God. Oh yeah. Yesterday's prices. Yeah, yesterday's prices. So you grew up with your grandmother. Mm-hmm. How did you get into comedy? How did you get into entertainment? Like, what was that first step? Well, I never, I, I could not sing. I couldn't dance. But what a lot of people don't know about me is that. When I graduated high school, I graduated CBS High School in Chicago, I had a four-year music scholarship to Bethune-Cookman. I played the oboe. I was in all-city orchestra and band. I almost said first chair in orchestra, too. I said second chair. What instrument? The oboe. The oboe. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what that is. It's a double-re instrument. I was I was masterful at it. My teacher, Mr. Harold Anthony Bray, may he rest in peace, just was a teacher that was diligent. And the things that he got away with as a teacher back then, he would be under the jail with now. Okay. But it it instilled such a drive in us, mm-hmm. and we wanted to make him proud. We proud. We wanted to please him mm-hmm. because we could see the smile of pride on his face when we did a great job. I don't. I think that's what's missing with teaching now. The teachers, a lot of teachers, not all, because there's still some great teachers out here, don't want the children to show pride. You show the pride. If the kid makes you proud, it makes the kid a better kid to me. Yeah, yeah, Life I agree. is too soft to now. You, everybody get a award. Oh, yeah. everybody didn't get a award when I was a kid. If you didn't do well, you got, okay, we'll see you next time. Oh, yeah. It no, made yeah. you thrive to yeah. do better and yeah. be better. Y'all, all these kids, everybody get a award. Uh, little Johnny does not deserve a award. He was too slow. <laughs> okay, so I'm front. Yeah, that's low heat. I get it on low heat. I'm going to let me... I ain't got my real glasses on either. Okay. Girl, I can't even see you right now. You know, when you get okay. old, the eyes so get So this up. is on, like, here, I'll put it on four. Okay. I don't even, yeah, there, you're good. Oh, I was going to say, you don't even what? You don't even cook? Girl, what's the name of this show? Oh, you I mean? cook. Let oh. me tell you something. I throw down. I throw down. Don't sleep on me, guys. So what you do is you start, you get the bacon heated up, and then mm-hmm. you start sauteing the, uh, the uh, onions and bell pepper and celery with it as it heats up because then you get all the flavors going, and then you season the veggies and the meat while they're in there. You add the corn and the the um, the tomatoes and the celery. I mean the um, okra, okra last because the okra takes no time. It's just pretty much steam. Now, is there a reason why you went with frozen corn and frozen okra? Because it's quick, and I got three kids, and I'm being in a hurry. 
Oh, okay, okay, okay. But when you got time, you got time to shuck the corn and mm-hmm. grow a tomato, get cut the dice the tomatoes up. I ain't got time for that, girl. I got three kids, you know, two of them the same age, and they not twins. How? Oh, never mind. Did she just ask me how? <laughs> <laughs> right did, well, okay. did you just have okay. a baby? I was going to say, did you forget already? She Good said God, two, and they quick. not twins. I got two 20-year-olds. At the same time. Two Ooh. different, And both my baby mamas named Tasha. I know someone that their baby mamas, one named the kid Aja and the other one named the kid Ajay. And I was like... Two different baby mamas? Yes. I said, Uh they must have been beefing, huh? But your baby mamas got along? Well... Well, probably not. Not not the Well, they really the didn't know each other like that, but both of their names was Tasha. But their names weren't Tasha when I met them. See, both my baby mamas were very masculine stud girls. Mm-hmm. Like, so, you know, we all come up with our own name. I'm Flame. That ain't my legal name. Yeah, yeah. So, I didn't know they was Tasha's until after the deed had been done. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Wow. So, you and all your baby mamas get along? Oh, uh, well, my son's mom, my firstborn, my son, Jamarcus, his mom passed last year from diabetes. Okay. But my other, my daughter's mom, I got two daughters. Yeah, she, we, we cool. We okay. okay. That's the truth. Okay. We okay. And I, I can say that now because there was a time I couldn't say that. There was a time we were feuding and bitter because I got full custody of the kids. Okay, okay. The entire time. But that's not what we were feuding about. Okay. Were you a young mom? I mean, a young dad, dad. No, I was 37 when I had my first baby. Oh, okay. You're like me. I was 37. You know, I because one. I watched my mother, my aunties, who all had children young, mm-hmm. lose their lives. Not lose like they died, mm-hmm. but they were never able to live and thrive. Mm-hmm. So I knew I wanted a family of my own, but I wanted to be Flame Monroe for as long as I could before mm-hmm. I did that. So I was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people go, when they get older, they say, oh, I'm reliving my childhood. There's no need for me to relive my childhood. I did. I was slaying my whole 20s. I didn't have a baby till 37. Mm-hmm. So I was allowed to be me. Mm-hmm. But I am ready to be an empty nester again. Yeah. Oh, your kids still live with you? Hell yeah. What? <laughs> the pandemic slowed everything down, including them. So your kids grew up... Now I'm going to go a little deep with it. So your kids grew up in an environment having a situation that's not traditional, I guess, in the world sense when they were going through it. Like, because right now we're in a world where trans and all all this is like, it's it's actually almost in everything you turn on. You turn on the TV, commercials, movies, whatever. That's the truth. But your kids grew up in an era where that wasn't the norm, right? Well, I don't know if it was an era. They're only 20. They just grew up in the house with me. Mm-hmm. You know, and w- will I say that we grew up together? Probably yes. You know, even though that I was 37, I never had kids, but I had a baby brother that I raised. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like I was, you know, new to it, just having my own. And then I thought that me and my my daughter's mom were going to be married and be together and be in love. And because I love that woman with everything in me. Aww. But she didn't love me back. Aww. I realized after the fact that I had two children with somebody who never loved me. You had two children with somebody her, who never loved and she me. She never loved you. How do you figure that? Well, you know, you don't figure it while you're in it because love is blind and you take way more than you should. That's uh-huh. anybody. Yeah. But when I got out of it and I realized the things that she could say to me, and I think so did, that didn't say, did could say to me what she did. I realized this person never loved me. You know, a lot of us put love and all this emphasis on love and, oh, they love me, and you take abuse. And it doesn't always have to be a physical abuse. 
It really does. Mental abuse is to me is way more damaging. I agree. Because you can't the pain don't stop. You hit me in my arm, that pain gonna hurt now, it's gonna eventually go away. Mm -hmm. But them words that cut the scars of your heart don't never go away. That's why I tell people all the time, I'm not afraid of a new love. I'm petrified of that old hurt. Because I love this woman with everything in me. But it just didn't work. But I did get custody of the kids, so I was happy. So, okay. And we had a, and the kids still talk to her. They always have talked to her. I never stopped them from talking to her. Okay, okay. Perfect. So you you're going to school uh for music. Mm-hmm. How do you transition from there? So let me tell you, when I went to, because so, I'm from the city of Chicago, I'm from Chicago. And if I'm speaking like I got a list, I got five screws in my mouth right now. Because, so I'm getting dental implants. I'm in the process of it. You okay, know okay. it's a process. And so I'm, I'm speaking weird to me. But uh, I, I was born and raised on the west side. I was educated on the south side. I came out on the north side, but I did my best work on the east side. Okay. <laughs> That's me being coy. Um I didn't even know I wanted to play music. Mm -hmm. I'm, I, I went, there was a, in the band, the CBS High School Band, the years that we were there, I'm not going to even tell y'all the years, get, do the math. Uh, we were the number one band in the country. Mm -hmm. We were invited to D.C. and everywhere to play because our band director, Harold Bray, was such a fun, fantastic teacher. And um, I went into, it was called the Beehive. I went in one day. I was really, really short in high school until I became a junior. I was only like 4'11". Oh, because right now years. you're what? You're like, you got to be like six. No, no, no. I'm only 5'8". You're only 5'8"? I'm only 5'8". Look, I just have a big presence. What? I'm okay, sure. Okay. And I wear really high heels on stage because okay. I want to be really tall. I envy tall people. That's what I always wanted to I be. I always wanted to be tall. Yeah, Everybody thinks taller. I'm really tall. I just got a big ass mouth. Okay. And a big, you know, <laughs> uh, shape. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, ooh, let me still keep stirring my food. And uh, we, I went in and I just joined the band and it gave me, because I didn't have a dad at home. My mom was on drugs for such a long time. And it gave me a family. Mm -hmm. That was my first, outside of my real family, because my uncles and I were gangsters and my aunties was out doing their thing. So it gave me a sense of family and community. So mm -hmm. I was glad. It was it. God knows exactly what he's doing. Yeah. Whenever you think you, you're wrong or you're on the wrong path or things ain't going the way you want them to go, I promise you, he know what he's doing. And when it when you get to where he wants you to get to, he's going to let it all reveal itself to you that I did it this way for this reason. Oh, it, like you'll have an aha moment. Yeah, like why did I join the band? And then way out later, I'm like, wow, that was a great experience for yeah. me. You know, so it was. Uh, he always know what he's doing. I know we question it, but so you joined this band. Joined the band. Uh, started off with the saxophone, then I moved to the clarinet, then I moved to the flute. Mm -hmm. Saxophone was my first joy, I thought. So was the clarinet. And then the flute, I was really good at. But then Harold Bray said, Marcus, that's how I used to call my name, Marcus, mm -hmm. I want you to try the oboe. He said, because you're a good reader of music, because I could read the music really quickly. Mm -hmm. And I hated the thing. It gave me a headache. So you could actually it. read the notes and everything. Yeah, I could okay, read the okay. notes. Only in treble clef, not in bass clef. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> because you have to roll your lips in to blow. And it was very hard. I couldn't roll my lips. I'm like, that hurts. But when I got it, it was something about the, the instrument would just soothe me. So whatever drama was going on at home, whatever disrespectful names I was being called or whatever abuse I was going through in my own house, my instrument mm -hmm. brought me peace. So that's why I, but I didn't touch it since I left high school. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
<laughs> I, I, I do have a, one more question. You Come said on. whatever disrespectful names you were called. Oh in your yeah, household. my mother was quite abusive. She was. My mother was on drugs though, and mm-hmm. she, my my grandmother was abusive to her, from what she tells me. And a lot of times we don't understand that, especially when it comes to mothers. We don't know what what they went through growing up. Mm-hmm. And when you were kids, you don't give a damn. Mm-hmm. You want my mom to be nice to me. Yeah. I don't know what your mama did to you. Yeah. Because I'm too young to understand that. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times parents need to stop thinking that these kids don't hear and see everything. Because kids hear and see everything. everything. Okay. Talk to them like they're little adults. They are. One day they will be adults. They're just little people. They're not babies. They're little people. Sometimes you got to give it to her. And I wish my mother would have told me then why she was so angry and so hurt and so broken. And then you take the shit out on me, you know? But a lot of times we don't know that. And we don't understand that as children until we get older. And some of us cannot forgive that. Now, me and my mother's relationship has been completely repaired. Oh, okay. Yeah. You both did the work to repair it? Or did you just do a whole lot of forgiving on yourself? We both did a lot of forgiving on us. I, I had to talk to my mother to understand why she was so angry uh-huh. and so mean all the time. Mm-hmm. It wasn't about drugs. It was about either a man or she. what my grandmother put her through. But she broke. I wasn't a girl. Mm-hmm. So the cycle you can't do to me what she did to you. But the name she called me was some of those names. Those names hurt to this day. Mm-hmm. I have a question. And this is an off, off-topic question. Okay. But it's a parenting question since I'm a new parent. Do you agree it's better for a kid not to see the parent show any emotion? Or do you think it's okay for a kid to see parents go through emotions? Absolutely. You should show. I, I don't like, think- if you should, like if I cry, should I? is it okay to cry in front of a child? Or is it not okay? Do you hide and protect? I think it makes the child more attached to you. Because oh, really? when my mother used to cry when I was a baby or when I was a kid, I would cry too because my mother was crying. My mother was hurt. I felt that emotion. I think that the, this this world that we live in now is trying to make us touch free and emotionless. Mm-hmm. I think you should show your children child emotions. How is it gonna pass on? Okay, yeah. So you 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 know if you if something hurts you, you cry about it. If something bothers you, you want to speak up about it. Yeah. So why would not show all of mo- when you're happy? It's a happy emotion. Mm-hmm. So why wouldn't you show all the emotions? You know what I mean? Yeah. Everything is not a damn emoji. It's damn new generation. But I I, I just thought because with kids. You know, the assumption is, you, you know, uh, you, I guess you just want to, like, protect them from, yeah. I, the world that we live in, you can't protect your kids from going to the grocery store, church, or school. Yeah. Because you don't know what's going to happen. What yeah. you have to do is be the best you that you can be. There yeah. is no book. There is no right or wrong way. There is a wrong way to be a parent. But there is no correct way to be a parent. You be the parent that you want that you want it. Yeah, That's yeah. the best thing you can do. Be okay. the parent that you want. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? 
it's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. 
Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. So after music, where does comedy, is comedy the next step? Like where is, I feel like something had to happen between music. Like what happened? <laughs> Girl, drag, I started doing drag. But you know what made me know that I, I was quick with it was when we were in high school, we played the dozens. You know, we used to play this game called Beat. Yo, Kuche, Beat. Yo, my name is Flame. I'm having fame. You know, like that. Okay. I got good game. Okay. And your mama is lame. Yeah. Okay, okay. So when we were on the band buses, because we used to do the games, and mm-hmm. we we were all together, it was just great fun. And looking back on that, I'm like, God, a lot of these kids, because they, they on their phone. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they don't even look at each other. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, they'll never understand what that was like. And I'm glad I have those memories. I hope I never lose my memories. I can lose my damn mad, but I don't want to lose my memories. Um, so in in those it, interactions, you started to I th- I real fell out I, because I had to fight, girl. You know, if you did too bad, they will fight you. So I used to get beat up a couple of times. <laughs> At this point, you're just a boy. I'm a just regular... a gay boy. Okay. I'm just an openly gay boy, oh, and I was always then. sissy. I was okay. always a sissy. Okay. That's how baby everybody was. Sissy. That's sissy Marcus. Mm-hmm. But I was always me because my grandmother said, "Just be happy. Mm-hmm. Just be just be happy." Mm-hmm. She knew I, I jumped double dutch. I was the best jump, double dutch rope jumper and everything. But And I got into a lot of fights, but it was a different type of bullying. It toughened me up. It also, nobody died. Mm-hmm. You know, We didn't have the internet to say, oh, 100 people say you you funny looking. And yeah. 100 people agree with it. First of all, I don't know the person who said it. And damn sure don't know the other 100 that agree with it. Yeah, yeah. So it, it's just, a, it was a different time. And I don't know, it, we... It, it made me strong. And then when I got out of high school, because it took me five years to get out of high school. Did you catch that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's because I wouldn't go. I wasn't going. My mother was going. I moved out and everything. And so I was doing my own thing. I thought I was grown for real. Okay. Uh, but I wanted my high school diploma because my band teacher told me to come back. He begged me to come back to school. Okay. That's why I said that man was great to me. And then I started doing drag shows. We were uh, We graduated high school. And I took a year to go to a little, like a little local college. It was some kind of word processing thing. I was good at typing, but I didn't want to do that. Mm-hmm. I discovered the nightlife and we started going to the gay bars. And I went to this club called the Baton Show Lounge in Chicago. The Baton is still around too. It was a female impersonation club. And girl, I saw these men dressed up as women and I was fascinated. I couldn't believe it. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, I'd never do that. You said you wouldn't do that. I said I would never do that. Okay. Halloween came. Oh, <laughs> I didn't want to be a clown. I didn't want to be a fire truck. I wanted to be a girl. Good God. I said I was going to do it one time. Here we are 30 some years later. Wow. Titties and all. Jesus wow. help me. That's why, that's why I tell people all the time, you never know what your life, where life is going to take you. So don't make decisions that are that you can't take back. Yeah, yeah. So you started with the drag, mm-hmm. and then, so how long are you doing the drag for? And so when I, you say doing drag, like, that's not a career, right? That's oh, my just, God, that was a career. So I you did, would make money doing just... I was. I did the drag shows in Chicago. So, and then let me tell you, I never wanted to be on the microphone. We would, I was just one of the... One of the one of the girl one of the players. They mm-hmm. always had a host. My sister Tasha Thomas, may she rest in peace. AIDS mm-hmm. took a lot of my friends in the eighties. Took mm-hmm. a lot of my friends. Um, and she was like, um, when I first did drag, the very first time it was at the Baton. But then I went to the Black Club. It was called Club Lorraine, greatest club ever. 
And I did a Tina Marie song, You Make Love Like Springtime. But mind you, I did the black song at the white club and the white song at the black club. Mm-hmm. This is this is me. Wow. Okay. So uh, she said, what did you do, baby? I said, I did Tina Marie. She looked at me. She said, yeah, baby, drag ain't for everybody. <laughs> oh, girl, my heart was broken. I was, <laughs> I was so hurt behind that. But I wasn't hurt to a point because Harold Bray, the teacher, had made me tough. Mm-hmm. I wasn't hurt to a point where I'm going to go home and I ain't going to never do drag again. I'm going to stick my head in the sand. I was at a point of, oh, but you don't tell me what I can't okay. do. I'm going to show you. Yeah, yeah. And I did. And I got better and better. And so then she got into a fight with another young lady at the club. Okay, I'm adding the fried corn so to just my veggies. So just for anyone that doesn't know, and I'm going to say anyone because me, I'm going to say for me, when you say drag queen, because... I, I kind of know and I kind of don't. So I've been to a club okay. and I've, I've seen drag queens at like Hamburger Marie's in L.A. Yeah. Okay. And they perform. So yeah. when you say you did drag, that's what you were doing. You're performing. Yeah. You're on stage. Okay. Got it. But and we had make- a different breed of drag. I was, to me, was very different. This, okay. this is a very different era of drag. Okay. But so we were at a club called The Clubhouse. Tasha got into a fight with another young lady named Casey. May she rest in peace. Mm-hmm. I told you, A took a lot of my friends. And so a guy named Mark, the manager, Latino guy, came in the dressing room. He said, Tasha got suspended tonight. We need a host. So we all in the mirror putting our makeup on. I ain't paying no attention because that was never something I was going to do. He says, Flame, you do it. I said, oh, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. He said, well, I said, I'm horrible on the mic. I don't want to talk to these people. I don't know them. Mm-hmm. They want to see me be a girl. They don't want to hear me talk nothing. So I went out there. I did. He, put, he forced me. He said, I give you an extra 50 bucks. I said, oh, okay. Mm-hmm. I went and I was terrible. Oh, no, I was terrible. Okay. So he said, come back next week and do it again. I said, I don't want to. I don't want to do this. Yeah. He said, do it again. I did it again. I was worse the second week than I was the first week. Okay. Almost to a point where the audience was going to boo me because it was a gay audience. They played no games. Mm -hmm. Then he said, one more time. I said, why do you keep making me do this? Which which is a testament to sometimes people see something in you that you don't see in yourself. I went out the third week and somebody heckled me from the audience and said something really horrible. I don't even remember. But whatever my comeback was, the room erupted. I said, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. And ever since then, I was I was born. Now, mind you, I hosted the drag shows for 17 years successfully in Chicago. Okay. I would have five or 600 people come out on a Monday or Thursday night in the middle of a blizzard, 50 degrees below zero to see Flame Monroe. Okay. And you're at this point just hosting. You're not doing stand-up. No, I hadn't done stand-up yet. So we went to... All jokes aside, one night, me and a couple of friends of mine, a comedy club, uh, just, you know, just we want to go to the comedy club. I think it was like an open mic night or something. And Damon Williams was the host. So I was never a passable trans woman. Like, mm-hmm. you knew, you know, I mean, you, I, the body was banging, but you knew the face was like, uh, that ain't no girl. And I'm not offended by that because yeah. I, I, I'm very comfortable with who I am and who I was. And uh, so he started with me from the, uh, from the stage. He didn't know he had met Mother Goose, though. I tore that ass up. Mm-hmm. So he invited me to come up on stage, and we went back and forth. And at the time, I was on house arrest, and I had on pants, and I had on a teddy, because teddies were popular at the time. Mm-hmm. I'll show you how way back that was. And he said, I said, don't play with me, play. You know I'm only out on loan. I'm on house arrest. I pulled my pants leg up and showed my house arrest anchor, and the whole club went crazy. But well, why were you on house arrest? Okay, we're going to get to that. Okay. <laughs> so that's, okay. when, that's when I knew. I'm like, oh, yeah, this is what I'm supposed to do. So I was on house arrest because I went to, I went to prison for deceptive practice in 1991. What does that Find mean? It. 
What does deceptive practice mean? Girl, opening fictitious bank accounts on the fake names and, you know. Oh, like money. bank bank fraud. Stealing. Kinda, bank yeah. robbing. I'm yeah. Bonnie and Clyde together. <laughs> I'm Bonnie and Clyde together. Okay. And um, I was sentenced to three and a half years. My first offense, I had never got caught. That didn't mean I had never done a crime. I had never got caught. Okay, okay. So you was gangster. You was gangster. I told you I was raised by all okay. gangsters. Grandma and everybody. But the judge that sentenced me, her name, I want y'all to remember this name and Google it. Her name was Judge Joan M. Corboy. She, um, I had a great lawyer, um, Jeff, uh, uh, Jeffrey, what's Jeffrey's last name? I can't think of Jeffrey's last name, a man somewhere else. I was about to say Epstein. That name is damn sure ain't no Jeffrey No, Epstein. no, no. Um, uh, but he was a, a Jewish guy. Very, very nice. He charged me a gang of money, all the money I stole out there, I gave it to him to keep me out of jail. Mm -hmm. But he told me that she had a vendetta, that she had a 97% conviction rate for black and brown men. This was 91. Okay, okay. So I like, he's like, she's going to sentence you to prison just to put the X on you. I'm like, okay. He said, I'm going to get you at least have a possible. Now, mind you, I'm 21 years old, maybe. Brand new breast implants. I got in Tijuana, Mexico for sixteen hundred dollars. I've been taking hormones for a couple of years. I was I had got silicone in my hips. I was shaped. I had long red hair to my shoulders, my own hair. They didn't make you cut your hair or anything. They put me and she sentenced me to a men's penitentiary for three and a half years. Oh my gosh. Exactly. And, but, there was no trans in jail at the time. There was nothing like me. There was, I was the complete anomaly. That's very dangerous. Right? Or I would If you didn't have my mindset and my mouthpiece, thank God that I was raised by the people that I was raised because yeah, the intimidation didn't work with me. Okay. So the, the 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 thing to do was to lock me up in the in the hospital because that's what they could say they could keep me safe. I didn't want to be in a hospital. Wasn't nothing wrong with me. I wanted to be out with everybody else because at that time okay. it was a different time of prison. So um so you preferred to go to regular prison? Oh yeah, I was. In, oh, okay. I was in. No, I didn't want to go to jail at all. Yeah, yeah. But I'm but, saying, but yeah, I didn't want to be locked up. Honest. I didn't want to be confined. Okay. I didn't want to be put in segregation. I hadn't done anything wrong. Oh. So um, my they tried to do that because I was trainers, and yeah. there was no place for training. Now you send me to prison now, girl. They got a whole wing of trainees. I got trans everywhere. They got a whole trans prison. I think. Okay. And uh, but. I incited three riots in 30 days and didn't even know I incited riots because I had to wear the state-issued T-shirts and the T-shirts were paper thin so you could see my areola. Oh, my gosh. And hilarious. my friend used to sew up my jogging pants for me to make them fit like stretch pants. This was 91. wasn't no stretch pants. He would sew them up with four pack of cigarettes. So I was in there just causing a ruckus. Mind you, I had a full beard. It didn't matter. It did not matter. That's so the nice. warden at that time came and found me. He says, are you Parker B., whatever my institution name was, I said, I am. This was 46 days in. He says, bitch, you coming up out of my prison. You got these N-word uneasy. That's exactly what he oh, said wow. to me. Wow. Two days later, I was in my own house. I served 11 and a half months on house arrest in my own house. That's crazy. See, look at God, though. No, catch this story. Let me finish the story. Uh -huh. We ain't got back, back to the judge. Meanwhile, about a year later, the judge was on vacation with her family in Boca Raton, Florida. True story. Google it. Uh, and she was killed in a freak accident. You know how you have to push the clicker and the electrical gate closes? Mm -hmm. The electrical gate, you know, when you, the sensor, when it hits the sensor, it's supposed to stop. Yeah. There was no sensor. It never stopped. The gate crushed her and killed her. Family sued and got $20 million. Oh, no. Did I fail to mention that I got an A on my online electrician's class while I was on house arrest? That's a joke. I've never been to Boca Raton, Florida. <laughs> but the story is true. Google okay, it. Okay, okay. Uh -huh. So how do you go from Chicago 17 years 
to where you're at today. I'm I'm trying to catch up. Catch up today. So I met Tasha, but first Tasha, my son's mom, and we was just kicking the bobos, and we ended up getting pregnant. So I wanted to have, she had already had a son, maybe two years old. This is the one you love, right? No, this was the one I was just kicking the bobos oh. with, the first Tasha. Tasha, okay. too, is the one I love. Okay. And uh, she said, and what I respect about her, may she rest in peace, may you rest in peace, Tasha, was she was like, I don't want another baby thing. I said, just have my baby. I never asked you for anything. I never had to go to court. We never had to sign no papers. It was, I took him home from the hospital. If she wanted to see him, she could, but it was my baby. And he's oh, wow. still my baby. Okay. My baby went, got a full ride to TSU last year. He only did one semester, Tennessee State University, made the dean's list, and he hated it. So he, you asked her for the baby, and then she she did it. And, and never gave me no grief over the years. Mm-hmm. Now, the other one, who I loved, we went back and forth. I had to go to court 11 times here in Long Beach just to get custody of my kids. 11 times. I didn't go in drag. I didn't go dressed up. I didn't go over the top. But the judge, because I was my presentation is transgender, made me come to court 11 times just for my own biological children. Wow. Illinois told me no. Illinois just said absolutely not. That's why that was the reason we moved from Illinois to, to California. Okay, okay. Everybody said you was chasing your dream. I was chasing that too. But I wanted custody of my children. Okay, okay. And I don't need no apologies on why I'm living the life I'm living or who I am. This is who I was when they were conceived. Why would anything change? Yes, please. Why would anything change? Mm -hmm. So that's where we're at. Okay. So now you're in L.A. Uh You have your children. How does Flame Monroe turn, you know, to Flame Monroe? (laughs) So I was working at Hamburger Mary's in Long Beach for a long time. Really? Oh, yeah. I wonder if if you went the time I was. You were there when I went. You were in Hollywood, right? Uh, yeah, the Hollywood one. Yeah, no, I, I never really went there. I used oh. to work at the one in Long Beach. Oh, okay, okay. But they, they were very racist behind the scenes. Let me just say that publicly because okay. racism it, it does exist within the gay community. Okay. You know, they love to say, well, we're not racist, Bush. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and, you just uh, added the okra to the dish. Yes, tomatoes. I just added the okra. So it's just corn, okra, celery, onions, Tomato, um, salt and pepper, salt and little pepper, lorries. and some lorries. If I had some accent, I put that too. That and that's with MSG, not without. Okay. Without, that's like having sex with no condom. Good God. <laughs> uh, so yeah, and so I worked there, and then I did botched in maybe 2016, mm-hmm. and they fixed my left boob because my left boob had encapsulated. It was kind of gangbanging, leaning to the okay. left. It was dang. Uh-huh. And I didn't know. I was never in any pain or anything. And because when I worked at Hamburger Mary's, I tell you, God put you where he needs you to be. I was miserable there. I made tons of money. I was the biggest girl there as far as would make all the money. But I was miserable because they would, they just, they would just, it would just wasn't for me. Okay. And uh, we were taking pictures and the guy was like, have you ever been on, thought about going on bus? I'm like, for what? He was like, oh, no, we'll fix your nose. Or if you got breathe, we, just because your story is so interesting. Because he knew I had kids and everything. And I was like, no, and you know everybody in Hollywood will tell you, oh, I'm a producer. I'm a Yeah, yeah. He yeah. said, I said, I'll give you my email address. And so I gave him my email address. And lo and behold, two weeks later, he reached out to me. And um, I went to see Dr. DeBro and I told him I wanted to make my breast implant smaller. And when they did the x-ray, he showed me that my left breast was completely busted. When you watch the episode on YouTube, you'll see it. Okay. I didn't even know that because I wasn't in no pain. I was yeah. I was fine. I was flipping off the stage and everything. Okay. And he was the nicest man. Oh, he was the nicest, really? nicest. Dr. DeBro. And NASA was nice too, but DeBro just 
was this week at very expensive surgery. They gave me great boobs, too. And they gave it to you. For, they didn't comp it? Yeah, it was for free. Okay, okay, okay. Because you know my story. But yeah. I had to be on TV with my wig off and with my fat belly. At that time, I was a little thicker. Oh, and when I did the reveal at Hamburger Mary's, Tiffany Haddish, who had just taped Girls Trip, we were already friends. Mm-hmm. We were already cool. And not like close, close friends, but we worked on a circuit together. And we were always very mm-hmm. uh, personable with each other. Mm-hmm. She um, she low. came and introduced me. She mm-hmm. had taped Girl Trip, Girls Trip, but it hadn't dropped yet. So mm-hmm. she hadn't become the superstar that she became. Mm-hmm. So I told him, I asked her when she introduced me. She said, yeah, she came out to the club. She introduced me and woo-woo-woo. And I told the producer, I said, you need to watch this girl. This girl going to be magnificent. Tiffany came behind the scenes after the fact that she saw me talking with them. She says, when I make it, I'm going to come back and get you. Aww. She did. She did. And okay. she did. And when when she got an opportunity to do Stay Ready, she called me, and there were forces on that show that did not want me on that show, mm-hmm. that did not want no parts of me on that show. And Tiffany was like, nope, this is who I want. This is who's going to be on the show. They didn't want me so bad that they didn't want to submit my episode, and my episode was the only one submitted and got nominated for an Emmy. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. okay. And what show was that again? Tiffany Haddish presents They Ready. And I'm not saying that like I'm gloating. I'm yeah. saying that because I, I had to prove somebody wrong. I know what, what works for me. Mm-hmm. I'm very comfortable with Flame Monroe. And I know what my weaknesses and my strengths are. So where did comedy come into play? Girl, I don't know. And, and, and ooh, y'all going to be mad at me about this. Comedy is not my first love. Stand-up is not my first love. What's your I first love? I am a love? host. I'm an oh, MC. Okay, okay. And the reason I say that, people say, well, isn't it the same thing? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. A lot of comedians can't host, and a lot of hosts can't do stand-up. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, I can do both. Okay. But I love to host because what that allows me to do mm-hmm. is, excuse me, is whatever curtain or fear mm-hmm. or, or shield you have in front of you, after sitting with me, listening to me self-defecate, laugh, make jokes about what's happening in the world from a human aspect, 20 minutes in, you're going to be so familiar with me, you're going to be like, I forgot the flame was trans. Flame is my uncle or my auntie. Yeah. Or this is That is my gift. My gift is to bring people together, not to separate us. Yeah. Because well, I'm I could see that. The me. first time we met was, I want to say, was it like eight months ago? It may have been nine months ago. We were at the iHeart, some iHeart thing for the Black Effect. And I met you, and I can honestly say... I don't I don't know any trans anything not in person like I don't know anybody personally and I remember like our first interaction you were like I had all these random questions like within three minutes of meeting you and you were like breaking it down and you know you we had some of the same viewpoints but it was for me it was so nice to hear it come from you and I was like oh okay so you know, my first interaction with like a trans person where we could like openly talk about stuff and I was throwing stuff at you. And I remember everybody just looking around like, OK, is Coley like just going to keep going? And I was like, well, you make me feel comfortable. Thank you. That is, that is my gift. That, yeah. and, I'm t- and, and because I do free voices, which is uh, every Monday night, let me put the shameless plug in at the uh, Hollywood Laugh Factory at 730. We do a show. At the Laugh Factory? Uh-huh. At Wait, the Laugh what Factory. day again? Every Monday night. Every Monday night. 730 p.m. I have such a diverse audience, and not and I'm talking when I say diverse, I'm talking about Asian, uh, Caucasian, Mexican that that come to enjoy me because they're 
I, I'm not going to say there is no color, but there is no race with me. Yeah, yeah. Everybody gets it. Mm -hmm. I t destroy black people because I'm black. I destroy white. And when I say destroy, I make you see it for what it is yeah. and then make you laugh at it because it's not that serious. Yeah. yeah. And it just puts everybody at ease. And you host that show. Yes, every Monday. And okay. I'm telling you, we have the best. Out. You should come out. We have the best time because that's what I want to do. Every, the world is so tight. Mm -hmm. And so disgruntled, and racism ain't going nowhere. Politics is crazy. We have survived coronavirus. We this the forty seventh day of twenty twenty three, and we have had sixty eight mass shootings. Wow! You don't know what's yeah. going to happen twenty minutes from now. So live your life and have a great time living it. Mm -hmm. It ain't going to always be peaches and cream, but it's don't take it so serious. AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. <gasps> what? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. 
We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together. We'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Elliot Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. i never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in in a different aspect of my life now. So... How'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you feel like you've arrived? No, absolutely not. Was there a point in your career where you're like, okay, this is this is it. Like, I'm stable. In 2019, and then the pandemic hit. 2019, my career was flourishing like, like a brand new flower okay. in spring. And then I did the Breakfast Club, which I absolutely love. And a lot of my community felt like I didn't speak on their behalf. I didn't, because here's the killer right here. Because I'm a part of the LGBTQIA plus community does not mean that because I got a little shine that I'm supposed to be the spokesperson for the community. That was never something that I wanted. That was never an objective that I reached. And if you listen to me on The Breakfast Club, which brought me on as a comedian, they never brought me on because I was trans. Mm -hmm. They never brought me on because I was black or a dad. They brought me on because I was a comedian. Mm -hmm. I've explicitly said three, four, five, 12 times I represent Flame Monroe. I'm speaking for me. Okay. So in that interview, that was the thing that was like the tipping that point? That was the turning point that, that made them feel like I'm not really a trans person or I'm not a trans woman. I'm this. Whatever your opinion is of you never has any inflection yeah. on me because what you're saying about me don't don't represent me. Well, the trans community has, the not the trans community, the LGBTQ community has so much power. Were you a little bit intimidated when there was a backlash? Were you a little, uh, you know, intimidated or nervous? Because I feel like they have so much power that, like, getting the the wrath from them could be very scary. Well, I have I've faced the wrath since maybe September of last year. I probably lost two hundred thousand dollars in work because yeah. of who I am and how I speak. And and that's crazy because you're a part of their community and that you still you can still face some level of punishment. 
nothing that I survived mm -hmm. the 80s, mm -hmm. the 90s, and the 2000s. That ain't gonna break me. Okay. And and I see women, and I know what a woman is to me, and I know what a woman is to this world, which is Mother Earth. And every trans woman and trans man and LGBTQIA plus person came through a woman, a woman. And I'm that's not to say that however you feel you represent you that you don't represent you, but we came through a woman. Yeah, I, I'm not a female. Mm -hmm. I will never be a female. I'm a female impersonator mm -hmm. and a very good one. Yeah. This took only 20 minutes. And that's why you always say the he, she, we. That's why I say he, she, we, because, I, you know, and it's so many new terminologies with the non-binary and, you know, and I'm still learning. Mm -hmm. And I'm a part of the community, but I am a dinosaur in some aspects because I'm still learning because every other week is a goddamn new alphabet yeah. added to it. So <laughs> I'm still learning. I, yeah. I, I thought it was 26. Y'all, oh my God. Do you feel obligated to to keep up with the with the the new lingo? I, I feel at the, like I have a responsibility that I need to learn it in case I'm ever speaking with some other people. Is that their dialect? That does not mean that I have to use the language that they use. I just need to be able to say that I understand what you're saying to Got me. It. Because it. all the women that I know, biological women, do not like the term cis woman. So I don't use cis woman. Cis woman. I never heard of that. Exactly. Yeah. But okay, you. let's try your dish. Is it ready? It's pretty much ready. You got some rice? I have rice. Okay, y'all. So we got some. Do we put the rice in your dish or you do we just put it you on, put the the plate? on your plate? And, okay. I'm put, and you put this over top of the rice. Okay. And then I'm going to put some rice on your plate. Mm. So in the crash, so you were, you felt like you were doing well before the crash. And then, yeah. and then the pandemic happened. And then the pandemic happened. But then I heard. That. So what people don't know is they think that me and Charlamagne had this great friendship that had. Charlemagne hired me the very first time I did the Breakfast Club. He said, "You coming to work for me?" He told me on that day. Okay. I said, "You ain't got no nothing. You what power you got? You ain't got nothing." Lo and behold, Charlemagne signed fourteen podcasts, self included, two years ago mm -hmm. to the Black Effect Network. Mm -hmm. He was creating something, and you know, on, and on that, excuse me, everybody wanted me to give Charlemagne a hard time. Wait, flame he this and he that. When you go on the show, tear him up. Charlemagne and Envy were so pleasant to me and mm -hmm. so wonderful to me and respectful. You know, even when I went on that time when Boosie was on there, little Boosie, he gets a bad rap from the community. His his manager is openly gay. Mm -hmm. And I ain't talking about just regular gay. He the gay with the cape and the S and the rhinestones and the feathers. That kind of gay. I Good did not God. know that. I want a piece of bacon, just just so I can say oh, yeah. I have a piece of bacon on my plate. Of your pre-cooked. Mm -hmm. Of my pre-cooked applewood bacon. It sounds very is there uh, a reason, Hannibal Lecter. Is there a reason why it has to be applewood? Oh, I love applewood bacon. Um, applewood just got a flavor to it. Okay, okay. Oh, and you know who has the best applewood bacon? Gelson's. It costs $300 a pack, but oh my God, it's delicious. Really? I'll you know check it out. You know Gelson's is the high-end store. Uh, I've only shot that Gelson's uh, when, when there's... It's that moment and oh, that let location me tell you is how available. I, go to I, 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 I buy an EBT car from a girl sometimes, and I go to Gelson's with EBT car and get the shrimp and crab and lobster what? and get to the counter. And she say, hi, cash check or charge. I say EBT real loud so everybody look at me. <laughs> you know what's so funny? You wouldn't even think that about EBT and Gelson's. They take, everybody take EBT, baby. Yeah. You know what? When I was younger, I thought you couldn't get fast food with food stamps. But then now it's like you can get fast food with food stamps. Girl, right? this show wasn't PG. I tell you what else you can get with food stamps. Well, Hold on. Okay. <laughs> it's not PG. What can you get? It was a joke. No. Oh. <laughs> okay. You taste it? I taste it. It's 
You know what? You, I just want to try the okra. Just please try the okra. I'm telling you, it's not going to even have a... You can do I it. I hate okra. You can one. do it. You can do it. Here I believe go. in you. Oh, God. I still hate okra. It's it don't even have a taste. It's slimy. Oh, my oh God. Oh, my God. I can't do okra. That oh. means... Are you married? Yeah. Well, about to be divorced. <laughs> I mean, that's horrible. Is it because you didn't like slimy? No. Uh, it's just, <laughs> no it's, you left that I over, girl. Like, no, 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 I, <laughs> I got a good comeback for it. Hold on. <laughs> no, it's because too many girls like slimy. Oh, okay. Oh, that say. was small hot. That was a good one. I, come on. I got it all the way. If y'all missed that, y'all too young. Grow no, up. You know what I'm saying? No, but you know what? I'm not, I'm not going to lie. I don't like wet. You don't like Oprah? I don't like wet, anything wet. Wet, yeah, like that texture. So maybe that could <laughs> inside joke. Inside joke. No, I know exactly what you mean, <laughs> but not the, the, the player up under this wig is like, You ain't no fun. I would have divorced your ass, too. Hey, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. You don't like wet. No, let me tell Girl, you something. Did you hear me talk about okra and macaroni listen, and cheese okay, earlier? That's me, what I was talking let about. Let me just tell you so I can just save my own reputation and God, God. Please, hopefully my family doesn't listen to this episode, but... They listening. Let me tell you something, okay? <laughs> he married me, so I clearly learned how to do yeah. the job that uh -huh. I had to do to, to do it, okay? So I do... I I accommodate it, okay? Let me define it my sounds like a task. I need you to enjoy it. You know what? I need you to smile. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the last supper. It's the last supper. Oh. <laughs> Look, when we get off, the cameras off, I'm gonna I'm gonna show her how it's getting down, okay? Because she will be impressed with me, okay? I'm Look, she says she, but you show me the right way. This wig might slide back a little bit because really? he might show. Oh my god! No, let me, let me stop my foolishness. <laughs> so, so you know, I did Comic View first. I was the first trans um, person ever to be on Comic View in 2004 where Ricky Smiley was So that had to have been a pivotal moment where it you were was. like, I'm, I'm right. But, but hear me when I tell you, Chris Spencer was the one who got me on Comic View. Chris Spencer picked up the phone, made a phone call and got me with Joyce Coleman and I was on Comic View. But they tried to market me as a female. They were petrified to market me as a trans in 2004. This is how far we have come. Because had they marketed me as a trans, the controversy alone would have, you know, mm. but oh, the world wasn't ready. Oh my God, the world but was But wouldn't, when they ready. see it, they wouldn't be able to tell? They could tell, but they really did not want to say the words. Okay. This is, and this is why I'm saying, we have moved from a space where they wouldn't say trans woman, and trans woman is self-explanatory. But can I ask, Is do you don't think, well, you would, you would only be the one to know. So is it more proper to say trans woman or just say she? See, I like both. Okay. There was a time when or, I know we or couldn't is, or get is that. Or is he okay? No, where well, he is not okay. If okay. if my if, if a trans girl's presentation is female, okay, is it is disrespectful to call her a he. We do that out of shade when we argue with each other, but it really is disrespectful. Okay, so and some of these I'm girls don't play that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure a lot of people are gonna. Didn't know that. Yeah, well, well with me, because mm -hmm. I'm so comfortable who I am, and I, my my pronoun, I, mm -hmm. you know, I say it's he, she, we. Mm -hmm. Again, I'm a comedian. So yeah. every, I make light and fun pretty much of almost everything. So, By the way, this is delicious. I just moved all the okra to the side. Girl, I wish I had my other seasons. But I'm telling you, now, you, you see, I'm telling you, make this for your baby. You get to eat your Look mask. at all that okra, everybody. That's how much I hate okra. I will never... 
It just nothing's nothing's making. And I'm not going to force that on you either. Uh, I want you, you, I want you, you to hear you what could, I was saying. I want you to hear what I was saying. I'm not going to force that on you. Just like I don't force me on people. I earned when I started in comedy. In um, 97, 98, I could be in a green room with a room full of comedians, and I was invisible. They wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't speak to me. They wouldn't even make eye contact with me. I earned their respect because I kept coming. They weren't going to chase me away. I was a tough nut to crack. Mm -hmm. And I kept learning and getting on stage. And every now and again, I would break the show, kept the show in half. And every now and again, a comic would come and say, Good job, Flank. Sometimes it was on the low, on the quiet, but it let me know I was doing what I was supposed to do. Mm -hmm. When they saw that I wasn't going anywhere, and I've been in the game 20 years, not a one male comic can say, ooh, Flame tried to get with me. Flame tried. Mm -hmm. That was never the reputation I wanted. Yeah. That was never, I didn't come in here for that. I came mm -hmm. in here to do this job. Mm -hmm. I wanted to play in y'all's pond. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to play in just the LGBT pond. It's too limited. Yeah. I wanted to be a world-known comedian, not just a gay comedian. What made Charlemagne bring you on The Breakfast Club? Because I had did They Ready with Tiffany Haddish, oh, okay. and she had did the show. And that's why I said when he brought me on, he didn't bring me on as a trans person. He brought me on as a comedian uh -huh. because we had taped They Ready. And so my community got upset with me because they wanted me to be the, the you know, everybody gets a little shot. No, that was not what... I didn't go in there to tear them down. I love my sister, but I'm not going to fight for bullshit. Yeah. If it's bullshit, I'm not going to I'm not gonna stand up for that. But if it's some something real, like, you know what's real to me like right now? We all in the tizzy over pronouns and, and bathroom rights. Meanwhile, the GOP is forcing a don't say gay bill and no more drag shows, which is how I made my living for a very long time. And a lot of my sisters, including the girls from RuPaul's Drag Race, we make our living off drag shows. Mm -hmm. Y'all got George Santos, who is openly gay and used to do drag shows and sign the bill to say, don't say gay and no more drag shows. And we ain't said a word. Have you heard the community in an uproar about George Santos? No, I, I was a don't say gay, though. That what was, does that mean? You can't say the word? Uh, well, according to Ron DeSantis in Florida, they, he's trying to, uh, he has adopted a bill where they don't want little kids to be able to come to. If you were my teacher and I couldn't talk to my mom that I was having feelings for little boys, but you made me feel safe, so I came and talked to you. And I, you can go to jail. You can lose your job because you're not supposed to have those conversations with these kids. So now these kids have nobody to turn oh, no, to, nobody to talk to. It's not safe. But my, we're not in an uproar about that. We're too busy worried about things that are just so insignificant. I don't fight over insignificant. Mm -hmm. It needs to mean something. And that means something to me. <laughs> if you had advice to give to someone that's coming up in the same lane as you, what advice would you give? Make great relationships and get as much stage time experience as you can because every room is different. Every audience is different. And learn your audience. There is a responsibility on comedians to learn their audience. Okay. It, there is a lot of comedians feel, I ain't changing myself for nobody. Then you're not growing as a comic because I'm not going to go into a room full of Trumpsters doing my Trump stuff knowing that. I'm offending these people on purpose. Yeah, yeah. Now, I, I, will, I will change it from talking about his politics to talking about his shape or his hair to mm -hmm. make it funny to them. Mm -hmm. uh, there is a responsibility. And a lot of, a lot of times I think that uh, some of these comics that don't change, things happen that shouldn't happen because you, you have to adapt, adapt to the room that you're in. Okay, and then I just have just a couple more questions because we definitely went over the clock. Come on. Um, what was the hardest hurdle you think you had to overcome either personally or professionally in your entire like lifetime? Oh, a broken heart. 
It's the hardest thing I've ever heard to overcome. Because people always didn't like me or I didn't like them. That, mm-hmm. that, I was always good with that, too. But why do you say broken heart? Did it affect you professionally? And oh, like, yeah. Oh. It, made me, it made me step away from the stage for a while because I'm telling my baby mama had me so displaced. She had me crazy as a role as and my How long job, did it last for? Seven years. But I've had my heart broken by a woman and a man. When I went to prison, when I got caught, I had a boyfriend. He put me in prison. I was slick. I wasn't going to get caught. Mm-hmm. He turned me. He turned me. He was angry he with me. He snitched. Yeah. Oh. Bitch ass nigga. Mm-hmm. Can I say that? <laughs> but in, I assume you broke up with him when he snitched. Well, I see that. That show you how dumb I was. I got out of prison and went right back to him. But Menjo only did 48 days. Mm-hmm. But I mm-hmm. went right back to him. Okay. Okay. And and what happened was I was blind because I was in it. Mm-hmm. But after going through the prison humiliation, because I never had anything bad happen to me in prison. Thank you, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I was so protected because my uncles were all stones on the West Side. Mm-hmm. Everybody knew my the Gibson family. Everybody mm-hmm. knew us. So they knew who I was. Mm-hmm. So nobody was going to bother me. I mean, not I was never worried about that part. But um, he was just, he got me. Drugs and it just hurt me. And I, I don't ever want to. I'm afraid of love because of that. So what? Did, like you did seven years of heartbreak. So what got you out of it? Was it just time, or was it like she kept? Epiphany? She left. You know, she kept leaving. What's the song by the OJs? She says, uh, "Your body's here with me, but your mind is on the other side of town." She stayed on the other side of town. She, her body was physically there, mm-hmm. but she wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So and then she was young. She didn't want to be a mom. She she wanted to ha- I think she wanted to be a mother for her mother, mm-hmm. but she really didn't want to be a mommy. Mm-hmm. If you understand what that yeah, means, yeah. her mama wanted her to prove that she was because she was lesbian, open lesbian, looked like a little boy, mm-hmm. and her mom wanted her to be girl grandmama. Mm-hmm. So I think she did that for her mom. Mm-hmm. I just happened to be the collateral damage. Thank God I wanted my children though. Okay, okay, and then you got back to work. But what was no the- no no? I had to heal. But Ooh, let me, and let me how tell you, did? How did you heal and get back in in the race? That that was the that was the hardest part. I have my oldest daughter's name is Izzy. My children's name is Jamarcus, Izzy, and Isaiah, Isabella. Izzy looks exactly like her mother, and I'm talking about from day one. Mm-hmm. So, do you know how hard it was to mend your broken heart while still functioning? I had a three year old, a three month old, and a three and a half year old all at the same time by myself with a broken heart. Mm-hmm. In Southern California on food stamps. We couldn't get on Section 8 because they said I made too much money. Um, struggling, couldn't find no work because I couldn't get my man right. But I couldn't get in a in the dark hole depressed because I had a bottle to fix. Mm-hmm. I had daycare. I had a pamper to change. I had to do laundry. God kept me busy so I wouldn't sit and wallow in my pain. Even though it, there was times where I went to that bathroom and had meltdowns. Mm-hmm. Because I didn't have no help. I couldn't leave my kids with my mom. Yeah. You know, my, my mom had, a, she was she was, she was was not nice. So she how were you working and supporting everything? I was always a master of what I needed to do. I was okay. always a great hustler. Okay. I was always a good hustler, you know. <laughs> I knew how to push the almost illegal boundaries to make sure that my children could I totally understand that. I completely understand. And when we were broke. When I had no money and I couldn't get no work because I was ostracized after I left Hamburger Marriage in Long Beach for, in Southern California where I couldn't get no work in the drag shows, I sharpened up my Gucci skills. I knew how to go to the grocery store and take a pack of meat and take the sensor off and go to the freezer and stick it down in my girdle to get out so I could oh, feed my children. Oh, you was gangster. Yeah. Oh, I had to feed my and children. And I take it your kids know about Succotash. 
Oh my God! Yes, we eat. We got money. We still eat it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. I I I love that you got personal, like real. Well, it, you know what? What? Why sugarcoat the truth? Yeah. I did what I had to do to take care of my family. Mm-hmm. So when when they would take ostracize me and say like they're doing now this whole cancel culture thing, you are starving some possibly starving somebody's kid. Yeah. You know, you you mad at this person because of a statement they said, like, you don't have an opinion. Mm-hmm. Like, you haven't said some things that could offend somebody or have been offensive or still offending somebody. Yeah. And you want to stop somebody because I hurt your feelings? Yeah. You get over feelings. You don't get over AR-15s. Yeah. You know, this country is so backwards and baffling to me. We want to take away books that take away history, but we don't want to stop selling AR-15s that's making history. Because AR-15 will make you history. <laughs> True. True. I'm telling you, I, yeah. I, I, maybe maybe I'm twisted. No, I'm against, can- I, I'm 100% against cancel culture. My husband's a comedian. My little brother's a comedian. And I can only imagine, like, you know, the that area where, you know, comedy is supposed to laugh at my pain, right? And it's just, you know, it's now in an area where, you know, now you have to be considerate of the audience's feelings, which usually... Girl, they want you to walk around on eggshells. I can't even balance in regular shoes. I damn sure ain't finna walk around no eggshells. You gonna get it? You just gonna get it. And here it is. It's not gonna stop me. It's never. But you're not. You're me. not afraid of cancel culture. I am not afraid of anything but the love of Jesus. That's it. I am, okay. And they have stopped a lot of work for me. But it's just like you stopped work for me, I came and signed me for a third year for Laugh and Learn. The bookings keep coming in from the comedy clubs because the mouth don't stop and the talent is here. You what you gonna silence me? No. That ain't going to silence me. No. Still in my wig, Mike, but that ain't going to silence me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, where can everybody catch up with you and keep up with you? Oh, well, you can follow me on Instagram at Monroe Flame, on Twitter at Flame Monroe, on YouTube at Flame Monroe, on TikTok at Flame Monroe 125, and on Facebook at Marcus Flame Monroe Parker. And um, you can go to my bio on Instagram to see where my bookings are coming up because I'm coming to Yonkers. I'm coming to Pleasanton. But every Monday, you can see me at the Hollywood Laugh Factory on Sunset Boulevard. We have the best, best adult fun for free voices. Come and hang out with me. There's no censor. And you, you're you going to be thoroughly entertained. And th- this is my nice dress. This is my Christian dress. Ooh. Ooh catch me on Monday. And, uh, <laughs> and can no bitch do what we do. Okay. And, okay. Oh, let me see you pop. pop oh, you face. do it right. Okay, I'm not there yet. Oh, okay, 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 okay. When, when your daughter start getting on your nerve and screaming and hollering, pop that fan. She's going to jump and I guarantee quiet. you, once my daughter sees me do this, that's the only thing she's going to be doing for the next month. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you guys for tuning in Thank to another episode me. of Eating While Broke. The dish, Sakatash, was definitely something you can make at home. Easy, affordable, convenient, you know. In my personal opinion, skip the okra, please. (laughs) Peace out. You better keep it wet. For more Eating While Broke from iHeartRadio and The Black Effect, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. AT&T Connects and Ode to Podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. 
sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the driving to work in traffic so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. Hey, girlfriends. It's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app. Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new, season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz, and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elia Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 